0: Hello, my name's Tom Boone.
1: And I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week.
1: Coming up today, I'll take a look at SAS's big plans for the A321LR, while Tom sees what's inside the new long-haul thin air cabin.
0: Qantas plans more long route, long haul route resumptions. Joe will fill us in on that, while I look at Embraer's latest profit hunter livery.
1: Finally, I'll see why the Alaska Airlines orca livery could herald a revolution in aircraft painting.
0: So, now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And Joe, tell me about long-haul A321 flights, because I know that's going to be a sort of might love it or hate it for our listeners.
1: Absolutely. So, um, SAS, um, they have two A321LRs right now, um, and they were due to start operating them on long-haul routes from March 27th, but they've actually brought it forward, and they started flying it transatlantic from February the 4th. Um, hmm. So, Exciting that they've brought it forward. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about why that might be in a minute. Um, But to fill you in on the flights that have operated so far, it's been flying between Copenhagen and Washington Dulles as SK925, Um, it's around a block time of nine hours and 30 minutes to Washington, um, which is about 35 minutes longer than the a three thirty-three hundred that it's replacing, Um, Mm. obviously because smaller aircraft cruise at lower speeds. Um, But because of the impact of the winds on the way back, it's only five minutes longer, so much of a muchness there, really. Um, Now, the SAS A321 is really quite premium heavy, Um, They've got 157 seats in total, and 22 of those are fully flat business class seats. And Mm. unusually, they've got 12 proper premium economy seats, which you never see in a narrow body. Um, In fact, you know, quite often that standard of seat is sold as your kind of business Business class. class. (laughs) Yeah, exactly
0: you get any difference yeah
1: so it's got yeah literally three classes of service not very many economy seats um hmm. so for this point in time it's a pretty good choice you know the, the people that um, for which flying is essential will be keenly grabbing the seats and um, those that are flying for business will find a really good product um, so SAS is going to be serving Copenhagen Dallas three times a week. Um, in February, the A321 is going to operate two of these on the Fridays and Sundays, but not on the Wednesdays. So actually, you know, although it started, it's only eight rotations a week at the moment, which isn't a lot. Um, but on March 27th, it's going to be adding a lot more narrow body service, which I'm really excited to see. So for the first week of the IATA summer, which is March 27th to April the 2nd, it's got 40 A321. 21LR round trips bookable, so that's a once daily service to Dulles and Newark, six weekly to Boston, um, and Boston and Dulles will actually be almost exclusively operated by the Naribody for the entire summer season. Um, And Mm. more recently, SAS has also announced that the LR will be serving Toronto from June. Um, So the Stockholm to Toronto route it's going to be launching is it's kind of a new route, Um, although technically it was served by the airline like 30 years ago. But obviously, they haven't been there for a really long time. Um, Copenhagen Mm. is not a new route. There are now going to be two operators um, because Air Canada already serves that market. Um, But, you know, it's a really good choice, particularly the Toronto to Stockholm route. Um, According to James, our routes analyst, it was the fourth largest unserved market in North America in 2019. Um, Round trip point to point traffic totaled over 35,000 people. So um, should be in good uh, good demand, definitely. So just to kind of summarise where the A321 is going this summer, um, Copenhagen to Dulles will be once daily. Copenhagen to Newark will also be once daily. Boston will be six weekly. Stockholm to Toronto, four weekly. And Copenhagen to Toronto, three weekly. Um, now, you know, James has a, a very long and colourful history in routes analysis. An analysis? (laughs) Analysis. analysis. (laughs) So um, he had some really interesting stuff to say on the choice of the A321LR in this particular market. Um, Because back in 2020, he looked at Aer Lingus's A321 Neos versus the A330-300s. And it found Hmm. that the A321 requires 41% fewer passengers to break even at an 85% seat load factor. Um, So it has got a higher seat mile cost, about 15%. um, So the average fare needs to be 15% higher to break even. But this unit cost increase is offset by approximately 50% lower fixed and variable costs per sector. Um, So, I thought that was Mm. really interesting. You know, given everything the aviation industry is dealing with right now, it's obviously a really good choice for competitive markets. And, uh, you know, I think given the premium heavy configuration, it won't be a bad passenger experience. But uh, we'll have to fly it to decide, I guess, Tom. Mm.
0: Well, I mean, talking about premium heavy passenger experience – I wanted to talk about SAS's competitor, or one of them, which is Finnair. And, you know, for ages, we've been expecting a new premium economy cabin for Finnair. You know, it was first touted back in November 2018. We were told it was going to come in 2020. And then, of course, COVID came and that plan went on ice. Um, Last year, we heard uh, the CEO, Topi Mena, saying that it's still coming. Well, now it's here. And, you know, Finnair really threw a lot at us last week with their announcements i think we got four press releases off of them in the space of maybe five <laughs> minutes um but the first one i want to talk about is premium economy because this is like the real sort of big new thing Um this spring they're going to debut the new premium economy class with each seat in the cabin providing around 50 percent more space than one of finnair's regular economy seats For um, the seating, Finnair's placed its trust in our friend over at Heiko, and they've chosen the Vector Premium seat for the cabin, and they're going to be the launch customer for this new Premium Economy seat, which actually looks pretty interesting. Um, The cabin's going to be fairly dense, though. You know, Finnair's opted for an 8 abreast configuration, so two uh, seats, then an aisle, four seats, then an aisle, and two seats. Um, You know, there's only one less seat than the Economy cabin, which is free, free, Mm. free. So... um, It's going to seat 26 passengers, so there's going to be three and a little bit rows to the cabin. Of course, there's going
1: to be... Sorry to interrupt. Just to put that in context, though, um, that is the same configuration that they use on the A380 for Emirates, which obviously has a much wider cabin. So... Mm. I think it's going to be a bit squishy. I tend to agree with you there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, you know, maybe this will be made up for by the soft product. Finesse um, said there's a large and sturdy single leaf meal table in the seats. Um, so, passengers... We'll be able to take uh, make use of this with two meal services and a selection of drinks to enjoy. Uh, there's going to be a free course meal and a light meal just before landing. And of course, you get a neck pillow and a woven blanket. Um,
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: This wasn't the end of the news. Um At the same time, Finnair was like, we're upgrading our uh, premium economy cabin or we're adding a premium economy cabin. Let's upgrade our business class cabin at the same time. Um, So there's going to be a whole new seat in business class. Um, Heiko obviously did the premium economy cabin, but Collins has won the business class seat with its aerospace air lounge seat. And what I find really interesting about this is that this one-to-one configuration seat um, gives everyone aisle access, but it's not a seat in the conventional airline way of the word, you know, Um, it doesn't recline instead it's sort of just an enclosed shell and according to the airline this will allow passengers to choose a wide variety of sitting and sleeping positions but you know to me it doesn't sound comfy but i'm sure they haven't they're not going to put something that isn't comfortable on an aircraft um
1: Mm. It's interesting to see. I mean, I think we we covered a story on a similar seat, which you know you make into lie flat by moving cushions around and kind of pulling out a platform and stuff. That's what you do. There are actually, you know, if it works, there's a lot of benefits in terms of reducing weight on the aircraft Mm, because you haven't got all those moving parts. And mm. yeah, obviously the maintenance is less. So I'm really excited to try it out personally.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, you have an infill panel to, to, um, to put in the footwell to turn it into a bed, and with a mattress and a pillow, this makes a sort of sleeping place for your night. Um, the other thing I found really interesting was the array of power options in the seat, because obviously you've got USA-B, US, um, USA-B, USB-A, <laughs> USB- <laughs> USB-C, and PC power, but there's also a wireless device charging area, which I, to oh. my knowledge is sort of new for an aircraft, um, but... Um, well, maybe, um, maybe not.
1: JetBlue had one. Uh, they put one in on uh, on the A321LR that's coming mm. to London. Um, those transatlantic planes have got a wireless charging uh, area, and it was a, a COVID precaution, apparently, so people can just put their phones down, get them charged without having to touch any mm. of the kind of plugs and stuff. But uh, so not brand new for airliners, but definitely something yeah. that we want to see more of, please.
0: <laughs> mm. um, you know, economy passengers, they're not going to miss out. In the economy cabin, there's going to be new lighter seats installed across the fleet and there's going to be a larger in-flight entertainment system. So mm. the new seats are going on the A350 and the A330 uh, fleet at the same time that the business and premium economy seats are installed You know, we don't know exactly when it's going to be launched yet. Uh, Finesse told us that it will be launched in the spring. And they've told us that on March the 1st, they will let us know when and where it's going to fly. So Mm. uh, watch this space. and um, Definitely. Yeah.
1: So, did they mention? I got to ask anything about Bluetooth headsets, like passengers' Uh, own devices. Recall
0: seeing. I might um, ask them
1: about that because, to me, that's like the final frontier in passenger comfort. Mm. We want to use our own headphones, airlines. We want to use our our AirPods or our Beats Wireless or whatever it is that we've got, and we we don't want to use the grotty ones that come with the seat, you know. So, yeah, please install more IFE with with Bluetooth pairing for our own headphones. Thank you very much. Mm. <laughs> Public service announcement over. <laughs> so I wanted to pick up on how things are starting to get a little bit more back to normal. Um, maybe not entirely, but I think, you know, a good yardstick to measure how things are normalising is Qantas. Um, because Mm. Australia's had an awful, awful COVID time um, and Qantas has suffered immeasurably. Uh, But now things are starting to look up and the airline has announced more international route resumptions. Um, So that's really exciting. And I think, you know, for all of us, it's almost like the final kind of thing to break through and and get things back to normal, apart from Asia, of course, but we'll talk about that maybe next week. Mm. (laughs) So, Australia has confirmed a clear-cut date for fully vaccinated travellers to land in the country, regardless of their nationality or origin. Um, So Qantas has revisited its international schedules and has flagged some more start dates for route resumptions. Coming back soon are four routes out of Sydney and two more routes from Brisbane. Um, so first out of the gates is the Sydney Dallas Fort Worth service, which is flown as QF7. That resumes on Wednesday, February the sixteenth, and departs three days a week from both cities. A Boeing seven eight seven nine Dreamliner, rather than the pre-travel downturn A three eighty, will operate the service. Um, so you know it's a slight downgrade, I guess, but it's just not worth fly- flying the A three eighty on those routes at present. Mm. Um, The route resumes five days ahead of the full Australian border opening date of February the 21st. Um, And then it and it will be joining the existing Qantas services to Los Angeles, both from Sydney and Melbourne. Um, So it's going to add Brisbane to the cities it connects to Los Angeles via a direct service on April the 1st. Um, So even better, those flights are now daily uh, or for, for the time being, they're scheduled daily at least. Um, So from April the 1st, QF-15 will push back from Brisbane every evening for a 13-hour and 30-minute flight to LAX.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, So the return service departs every evening, taking an hour longer to make the westbound journey. And for this route, it's going to be flying a slightly modified A330-300 rather than the Dreamliner that used to operate the service. So it's a bit of a fleet shuffle going on there. Um, But the A330 is pretty nice, Um, according to Andrew Curran, our Australian expert, it's a Potentially even a better flying experience than the seven eight seven nine. So I'll leave it to mm. our our Qantas regulars to fill us in on whether that's true or not. Um, so uh, so yeah, the Los Angeles service. However, it's not the first Qantas international service out of Brisbane um, because mm. five days a week from Sunday March twenty seventh, we'll see QF fifty one to Singapore. Um, that's also operated by the A three thirty three hundred. Um, And it will be operating every mid-morning except Tuesdays and Thursdays and departing Singapore every mid-evening on the same day for the flight back to Sydney. Um, So one final uh, bit on the routes from Qantas. From Monday, March 28th, Qantas will also resume Sydney to Jakarta and Sydney to Manila. Also Mm. with the A330 for QF41 to Jakarta. Um, And it will also be rebooting flights on the Sydney Denpasar sector. So that's a late afternoon departure from Sydney with an early evening arrival in Den Pasa. Um, not bad. So, yeah, just um, finally on that, why is the a 330 suddenly so popular? Um, so it's often been used on the kind of medium haul flights into Asia, but it's not usual to see it on the longer flights like Brisbane to Los Angeles. But of course... Qantas retired the 747 very sadly um, and only Mm. a couple of A380s have been brought back into service right now. So the A330 is definitely playing a bigger role this summer season for Qantas. Um, And I think overall, the message is extremely positive. If Qantas can do it, then everybody can.
0: That sounds good. Um, Yeah, I don't really have anything to add on that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What I would say is maybe something... That if Embraer can do it, maybe not everyone can, and that is their wonderful uh, aircraft liveries. You know, I've <laughs> I know um, the Tech Lion has been turning heads for quite a while, but there's uh, now mm. a new plane on the block called the Tech Shark. Uh, so. Mm. Last week, Embraer teased its latest Profit Hunter livery. Profit Hunter, obviously, because these um, demonstration aircraft are hunting for profit for Embraer through encouraging sales. I don't
1: think that's the message. No, No, it's meant to be because it's hunting profit for the airlines. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, Not that it's hunting Embraer's profits by being sold.
0: Okay. Um, so That's
1: probably true as well. I think the message, yeah. the marketing message is that this will hunt your profit, Mr. Airline, um, but also surreptitiously, and you'll make a profit for us at Embraer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, apologies for that then. Um, but yeah, basically, they've got their latest profit hunter, and it's called Tech Shark. So the aircraft has a white belly, darker top portion, and along the planes are these sort of circuit board patterns that we've seen on the Tech Lion. Um, At the front of the aircraft, they've got gills and a mouth with teeth, which sort of (laughs) represent the shark. Um, The aircraft in question is currently registered as a 2-Romeo Lima Echo Tango. And according to data from Planespotters, it's already three years old. So interestingly, the aircraft has actually seen some passenger service. It was leased to Mm. Norwegian regional character Videro by Embraer in June 2019, it had been bound for Chinese carrier Fusao Airlines, but the airline didn't take up the order. So uh, Videro operated the 110 seat aircraft for around five months and then it withdrawed it from use on November 22nd. It then went to Portugal from December 2019 to September 20 and then was ferried to Nashville in the US where it stayed until December last year. At this point, it appears to have been re-registered to Embraer first as 98 uh, Hotel Alpha Hotel Yankee, which is obviously a Maltese registration, and then as two dash Romeo Lima Echo Tango, which it is now. Um, and Embraer is hoping to show off the livery at the Singapore Air Show. Um, what I found interesting was it's not the first time that Embraer has gone for the shark as a profit hunter, you know, um, mm. it's the first shark tech demonstrator, but it isn't the first profit hunter. Um, we did see the five-year-old um, test bed, which is also an E190 E2, and that's registered as Papa Romeo Zulu Gulf Quebec. And that primarily wears the Embraer house colors. And it used to have the text prototype number four at the top. But if you look now, you'll find a hand painted shark nose and, um, You know, they kind of put this on before the plane flew to um, the Farnborough Air Show in 2018 um, so that it would turn heads uh, at the air show. After the air show, though, this plane um, didn't just fly back to Embraer's headquarters. Instead, it flew from Farnborough to London City Airport once the show had concluded. And it was used to test whether the airplane could safely land with the steep approach capabilities at this airport, because, you know, landing at City isn't your everyday thing. And I think we actually talked Mm. about it on a podcast uh, like sometime last year. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know... It's quite cool just to see this shark livery. If you've not seen it, you should go to simpleflying.com to check it out because it is way cooler than the the Tech Lion, I think.
1: (laughs) Oh, I still prefer the Tech Lion, but I do like the Tech Shark. It's very cool. We'll have to agree to
0: disagree and maybe put a poll somewhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. So uh, sticking on the theme of aircraft liveries, um, we do love a special livery at Simple Flying. And uh, Alaska Airlines' new 737 livery was no exception. It looks pretty awesome. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen it because it got accidentally leaked a few weeks ago. Um, But it was officially revealed. I
0: mean, if you park it on an airfield (laughs) where it can be seen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's going to happen, isn't Mm. it? So uh, it was officially revealed this week, as well as more details about how it was created. Mm. Um, And it's an Orca livery. It was chosen as a symbol of their West Coast heritage. Um, And it's very beautiful, very beautiful indeed. But it is unusual in more than just the kind of Design itself because unlike most aircraft liveries, part of it was inkjet printed. Um, so there was a, a lovely little post from Jim Farmer, who's the senior livery designer at Teague, who explained why this is so important. Hmm. And he said that on a traditionally painted livery, each colour is sprayed from a spray gun separately and by hand. This means you can't do fades or colour blending. It's like paint by numbers, but with yeah. less colours, basically. Um, you need extra layout, more spraying time, additional drying cycles so overall it means lots of hours are spent on aircraft liveries and lots of money mm. um, on the other hand if you're using a printer anything goes and instead of taking days to paint it that any design can be applied to an aircraft in a matter of hours mm. um, so this all started a few years back. I think it was about 2016. Boeing set out to develop a heavily customized inkjet printer that was capable of printing just about anything of any size in any place. And it's been years in the making. Um, they finally got their first prototype. Kind of, it's called a director-shaped 3D inkjet printer. They got their prototype mm-hmm. ready in 2019. Um, they even had a tail fin ready and waiting. And all they were waiting for was an airline willing to take it up. Um, so last. Alaska- airlines you know jumped at the chance uh they used teague to create the designs and um, there were loads of different orca designs i put some of them on the website you know there were some really great designs yeah. that they could have chosen from um but they picked this one with the kind of leaping orcas on the body and then this very intricate design on the tail um and the applying the livery was not easy itself because the the Body livery, the livery on the fuselage had to kind of seamlessly connect with this inkjet printed livery on the tail um, mm. be- because you can't at the moment, the technology is not there to inkjet print on the fuselage itself. It's, it was just for the horizontal, the vertical stabilizer. Um, But what did come out was incredible. And if you have a look at that tail fin, it is very different to any other aircraft livery in that you have got those kind of color blends and fades. It's very sharp. It's very lifelike. And it's very exciting for me To Mm. think that, you know, you could have more complicated liveries on aircraft, but for cheaper and quicker than anything that's being applied right now. Um, Obviously, this was kind of a test. Boeing's learned a lot about its inkjet printing technology. And I think, you know, it will be a little while coming, but this could well be the new way to apply liveries to aircrafts in the future.
0: Mm. I mean, watch the space, you know, I kind of wonder because... we saw how um, Emirates put this wonderful um, blue livery, expo livery on its plane and that was the mm. uh, most um, advanced to date. And I wonder how much time would have been saved just by printing that on.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. It'll be really exciting to see what comes in the future. And I think, you know, it opens up a world of possibilities for livery design, which I'm really excited to see. So. Mm anyway i think that's about all we've got time for on today's podcast we do hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com
0: for more great content you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for simple flying
1: if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player thanks for listening
0: bye